0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> we're here, guys. Welcome to a Wednesday night. I was going to say, I'm
1: never, never going to get sick of that song, dude. So if you ever get bored of it and like want to retire it, at least assign it to something else.
0: I don't know if I can. It's so good. I actually got I literally got an email yesterday from somebody asking where they could buy it. Like, what is that song? Where you can, it literally where could be it? a hit.
1: It literally like if he just made that a little bit longer, there's no reason that that shouldn't be like. I mean, I guess
0: it would lose its luster if it was a hit, but man, it is so good. Amen. It is. It is really good. I used to have it uploaded to SoundCloud, but I dropped my SoundCloud, stopped paying them because it was kind of a worthless uh, place to host. It was my original host, but we're here with best buddy Dylan Sikosio. How many is it? 10 books in like 10 years? 11 11, books in 10 years?
1: 11 books. My God. Well, you know, it just goes to show you, um, it takes a lot of sacrifice. Like the majority of the time writing was just a hobby. And because I lived in one of the most expensive cities in the world, I had to work two jobs. So I had very little time to do my, to do anything that I really wanted to do. But when I did have time, I was really focused and it, it just goes to show you, if you've got something to say, little steps, little baby steps, and just every day do something Eventually, over time, it accumulates. And uh, if you have a purpose or if you have an objective, you'll eventually reach it. It's just a lot of people spread themselves thin. And a lot of people had much better lives than me. And while I was doing that, they were living the life and partying and traveling. And I haven't done any of that. So there's, it doesn't come without regrets. Trust me. There's always going to be, um, yeah, Fiche. So <laughs> yeah.
0: But, well, dude, we're, we're all benefiting. You know, to introduce the the new book a little bit, we're just here to hang out and let people know that it's a thing. We'll talk about details from it. We're not going to necessarily yeah. go deep and granular into the nitty gritty, but the- we will do that. We will. Once Chance is done with reading
1: it, we'll do an, another one just for his paid peeps. That's like.
0: <laughs> so I've actually already read four chapters of it. It's hard to put down. I thought that I thought you were kidding me. Like I was like, did you skip to the Basques? Actually,
1: you already read that. I, I literally texted him this morning. Don't buy it. I'm going. It's going to be free. You're, I already gave it to you on my Substack. It's coming out tomorrow. Just relax.
0: He's like, <laughs> go to my Kindle. <laughs> yeah, and I'll buy a paperback t- uh, yeah. or a hardcover cop- copy too. I like to have them every which way possible. I mean, we yeah. talked about this before. Well, oh, you know, oh, the, the ebook and the audiobook all good stuff.
1: You're not going to use this. Well, the reason I was telling you not to buy it cuz I don't think you'll be using this one for reference as much. I think so the the whole goal for this was to make it so that you could give it to like a 6th grader. Like I I secretly I would love for teachers to get a hold of this and be able to give it to their kids for summer reading, you know, so they can have something fun to talk about with history. It's not controversial. The conclusions are controversial to people who are liars, you know, but it's it's not controversial like knowledge that's going to like make you upset when you're reading it. Like that can happen with like spirit world because we're exposing forgery and stuff. This isn't about that. This is literally the goal is to establish as many facts as possible with as little interjection as possible, but to do it in a way that shows you the Etruscan empire in ancient Italy is being covered up. And I happen to had a little bit of insight because of my family knowing that um, we were Etruscans, yet we're, we had a very uh prominent impact on the roman empire and what they're hiding is the fact that rome was quasi etruscan all the way up to the 1st century bc i mean etruscan monuments with attrution. like so this idea that they didn't speak etruscan and they like that rome was literally half etruscan and they don't understand latin no 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 that's all i think what we're looking at is what we know of what we think we know of Roman history and Greek history, it's all a construct of the modern middle ages. It's not actually being derived from the people who are actually there. That's my opinion on it.
0: Well, in just the, from your work in general, especially the last couple of years, but the first four chapters too, one of the things I'm enjoying the most about it is the demystification of it all. Because when you try to study, you know, especially with grand timelines of, you know, going back 2000, 3000 years, trying to wrap your head around like who did what and where they went and how this became that, especially with the mainstream narrative is it's like you can't get your head wrapped around it at all. You know, I've looked into this stuff for a long time myself and have trying to form a clear picture in my mind of some kind of timeline or some kind of diffusion pattern based on what you're told if you go to, you know. Wikipedia and stuff—it doesn't really make enough sense. You know, there's too many things that are just contradictory. Or we have, for example, all of these placeholder—what you call placeholder names—like Phoenicians, Etruscans, celtics Saxons, etc. Yeah, and isn't it funny that
1: the term Phoenician, which th- if you look at everything online, it's always like, oh, this this means this in Semitic. It's like this—the whole term Phoenician is derived from Etruscan purple. Right so you're literally calling them the purple ones in the phoenician in the um atrusian tongue. why are you ascribing that to fucking so called Semitic people or whatever it's like the amount of nonsense that's going on and when you actually start to see it it there gets to a point where like it's it's disrespectful. It's at a point where like when you start knowing when you can read the language when you start seeing the amount of what um a lot of etruchologists and like people in the archeological world call Greek uh, mythological imperialism. When you start seeing how much of that's going on in the fabrication of monuments, of Roman monuments, all that stuff, it's, it actually does get you upset if you don't have a broader perspective. And that's what I'm trying to do with all of my work is it's not to show you all this conspiracy stuff to get you upset. It's to give you a broader perspective. So you don't take it as serious and uh, you you have more of a well-rounded, uh, healthy worldview rather than everybody's lying to me. And, you know, it's like, no, no, no. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that I just don't think are that smart that have the big voices. And that's what the establishment pushes because they're easy to control because smart people aren't easily controlled, in my opinion. Really smart people like street smart people with actual common sense, morality, that type of thing, code of honor,
0: rules those types of people are hard to control well the other thing is <laughs> to get the letters after your name in any field i'm not saying everybody is this way that has letters after their name i i'm definitely not saying that but generally speaking you get the letters after your name for being the best at following directions following the orders following the the way that things are flowing already in whatever field of academia so there's <laughs> even some friends of mine that are in academia the things that we can talk about on camera versus off camera can vary wildly. (laughs) Like they, they know that they'll, they'll actually lose access to a lot of the things that they've had access to. And this is what levels the playing field of now versus before in these fields. And probably why you're one of the first people to be able to bring forward this type of perspective in research is that the internet levels that out to a degree because maybe you don't have access to the archeological sites or, or whatever uh, records and and libraries and such that the academics would have had more of exclusivity about before, but you do through the internet have the ability to access this stuff. And I think that's changing the game a lot. And also the thing that academia that they ignore, it's the
1: very thing that we teach. You know what I mean? Like they, they can't address the very thing That is going to be responsible for you to be able to decode and figure out the lies and and debunk everything. Don't look at astrotheology. Don't look at mythology. You know what I mean? It's all the stuff that's the no no taboo subjects. Is everything you need, and so with just a little bit of that, you can at least recognize when the story you're looking at is encoding all of this astro. If you know astronomy and astrotheology, you're saying like this is this story is nonsense. How do you not see this? And like, what do you mean?
0: You know, like the first then, seven kings of Rome. Yeah, the seven yeah. summer months or warm months. Yep, and they're all going to be like, you know, Etruscans
1: who are actually from Greece. Don't worry about it. It's always going to go back to Greece, right? You know, because they're the ones that civilized us. Despite, you know, I was just talking about this earlier. You know, the what? What do you guys know about Greece? You got to, they don't need, you can't even flush toilet paper over there. They got to fuck, you got to, you got to put your toilet paper in a bin in the bathroom. Can you imagine that? And trying to claim that you civilized us, get the fuck out of here. I'm not buying any of it and I can actually prove it. And my family has been uh, totally slandered throughout history and throughout history, they've made up so much shit. That's not true, including that we're Greek when it's clearly not the case because their name is only attrition and the only other culture that uses it in an ancient sense is the Irish. And so if anything, this book will help uh, bring the Irish back into the fold so they can actually see their true history because the Irish language is Sicilian Phoenician.
0: That is accurate. (laughs) That's such a good point that there's just like today, like in modernity, We can see a certain phenotype, generally speaking, has been responsible for civilizing the world with the type of culture that we are used to and the amenities and the connectivity and the, you know, the economies and all that. It's a certain, not everybody involved in those economies is the same phenotype, but there is a certain phenotype that has been most instrumental in setting all that up and running it. Uh, At least, you know what I'm saying? It's why it's always
1: under attack because- when you look at cultures that are run by this quote-unquote phenotype, there's no violence. Everybody where I have is this phenotype. Everybody's got guns. No murder, no crime, nothing. They don't want you to know about this phenotype and what it does. It's not savage, I promise
0: you. It's kind of like how you you can't even type into a chat GPT, show me, a, generate an image of a white family. That's not allowed. <laughs> They'll be like, we are... The The program is not allowed to do, you know, racial stereotypes or yada, yada. But any other race, you could ask it for a photo of and you'll get it. So, by the man, way, it's, I, the I'm, I'm, I'm not really.
1: considered this phenotype because I've got onion. Uh, Why? I mean, you think this is a latte. I'm actually sipping on some Listerine right now.
0: <laughs> I want to back up to a, a question earlier from righteous brother, righteous brother. In the chat, he wanted to know where can I get Spirit World books that support Dylan and not Amazon? And I linked that a few comments down below. That's smashwords.com slash profile slash view slash Dylan or just type Smashwords Dylan Sicoshio. That's one way. Uh his substack is a good way to support him too. But if you want the books, that's my best answer. What do you got? So
1: if if a book is a reputable ebook store, you can get all of them anywhere. It doesn't matter if it's iBooks, Barnes and Noble, everywhere. Um, for paperback it's going to go through Amazon, but don't worry about me because I price my books on every platform so that i'm getting what i get it doesn't doesn't matter to me and it's not you're not supporting me when you buy these books you're investing in yourself you buy you buy one of my books I get like a latte you think does that is that gonna you know make up for the decades that i've put into this no doesn't matter so invest in yourself. I, if it's a, if a lot of people do invest in themselves, I benefit from that, and chance benefits from that, right? Look at the um, all the audio books. You, uh, you can actually there's going to be a sale. I think starting around your birthday, they're doing another sale in Smashwords where you'll be get the whole ebook uh, for 75 bucks or 75 percent off. Excuse me, all of the ebooks are going to be 75 percent off during the sale. So what I would do is buy them because they'll only be like a dollar or some shit like that, two dollars. And then you can buy the, um, the audiobooks, Support Chance, so you're able to listen to it, so you don't have to hurt your eyes. But then whenever you hear him say a word that you're unsure about, you can reference it with the ebooks. That's, for me, is, that's the best way to go about it. Because the, the penalty that I've paid for this work is I read a lot of old books. And old books were, you had to pay to produce them. So the font was very small. And it fucks your eyes up.
0: I've been doing the same thing.
1: <laughs> and I just don't think it's worth it. I mean, I think it's great to have the old books, but I think if you can if you can get one of those books that are like scanned on archive or something and then just blow the screen up so like the letters are huge, so you're not straining your eyes,
0: that's the way to go about it. Uh, either way, it's going to be work. <laughs> you know, I've had a, a run of success in the last month. For some reason, multiple people who were getting tuned had like eyesight issues they wanted to see if they could work on. And two out of three of the times the person within the week had reported back to me that their eyesight in whichever eye was having the problem improved, which is pretty cool. Tends to be like in the third eye area, energy center wise. It would be real interesting if that's where like medicine ends up going, where it like
1: figures out that like the cause of a lot of these ailments are actually the way we process our emotions and thoughts. And it wouldn't surprise me at all because I saw an interesting advertisement the other day that got me thinking. And it was talking about ADHD. And we all know that that's not a thing. But it doesn't mean something else isn't the underlying cause of that. And what it was suggesting is that the underlying cause of ADHD is depression. And you're so fed up and depressed that you don't know how to organize everything. And so that's when it manifests like this hyperactive ADHD. It's really, you just don't know how to deal with anything because you're so bogged down in your own frustration and all that stuff.
0: No, that is accurate. That's accurate. Uh, That's been a theme too with tunings in like the last one week that I've had. This is for some reason, like clients that are back to back with each other will often share issues. I don't know if that's astrological or what, but there has been a thing about like flow issues of what comes in and what goes out that they're overloaded. They're not putting things out that need to go out and then they can't really take on more. So even just a straw is like the one that breaks the camel's back when something goes on. And I think you're, you nailed it. That, I, I've never heard that research with ADHD, but that makes perfect sense. It's it's being, and it could <laughs> be
1: bullshit. Up. It's just something I saw in like a, like I, I saw it while I was scrolling. It could be total nonsense, but I like how it's thinking outside the box where it's like, every everything there is a cause to everything but it might not be something as simple as an ailment it might be something more complex with the way you process everything
0: Mm.
1: yeah and that's what your work does is it helps people work that out you know it's like it's like you're like a three-in-one you're like
0: a shrink a chiropractor and like uh a a, a shaman (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've literally been told before by someone who who's paid for therapy and went to a lot of therapy that they got more out of an hour with me than years of therapy because I just kind of have the ability with the process to cut straight to what's important. And we don't have to talk about every little thing in excessive detail. We can just get to the heart of the matter. Here's another funny tuning story. Uh, this was a client I'd seen like three times at this point, And in her third session, Uh, I found this place in her field where basically the story that I was coming up with, I think she was like an eight year old or something at the time, uh, was okay, there's this moment where it's like your first crush and you are, you express something positive to this, like other, this boy at your school or something. And then you get, you feel like you got attacked in return. And, then she immediately was able to recall, like, yeah, I had a crush on this one boy. He was like the rich kid in school. He had a, a so rich that the street he lived on his, was named after him because his dad was like a developer or something. Anyway, the kid tells her that her her nose is ugly and too big. And then as we continued, as we continued, like working out that part of her energy field, I then found two more <clears throat> two more spots where a uh, she'd been in a car wreck with a boyfriend where her nose was broken and she got thrown through the glass. And then a couple of years after that, a, an abusive boyfriend, different boyfriend actually punched her and broke her nose. And like, you know, I could go on long story short, but what we found was a pattern of, of like significant other relation, close relationship people attacking her nose. <laughs> and she had no idea like, Oh my God, this keeps happening. So, and then, you know, we worked that out and it just went back to that thing from being a, there was maybe a little more old, older origins to it in terms of the feeling theme. But that's the kind of thing that can, <laughs> and I love that example because that's the kind of thing that perfectly illustrates how things become invisible by their proximity, especially in our life. When they just, when it seems like that's what's normal, it almost becomes, you can't notice it. And the nose is the the prime example because you can pretty much always see your nose, but how often are you aware of the fact that you can see your nose invisible by proximity? And I think that's where a lot of people's, uh Illness or disease or or hurt is at it's in these things that are just right there under their nose, but they're they're no longer able to see it because it's so consistent. Something like that, and it's denial. Like pretty much all mental problems, physical problems, or have this function of denial being at the root. And the the more in denial you get, the more you know. As you age, you slip into dementia. I think it's all kind of one big interconnected uh, dynamic, and that makes health a lot simpler than. Than just made out to be by, you know, those letters after their name experts.
1: You know, it's interesting. Um, It's, it's, this is like a side tangent to what you just said. I I was watching something the other day and it was really good wisdom. And, you know, I'll probably take a lot of flack, but uh, I was watching Sammy Gravano and he going back to that, all that might have been avoided had that guy just been, oh, no thanks, I'm not interested or whatever. He didn't have to say what he he didn't like about her. And the wisdom that Sammy said was, when you fire a bullet, once you fire that bullet, you can't change its course. It's going to hit its target. When you fire an arrow, it's going to hit its target. You can't change it mid-course. And it's the same thing with words. Once you speak, those words are going to hit their target. doesn't matter what you intended or whatnot. They're going to have an impact. So you got to be careful about what you say. And that, I, you know, that really resonated with me because I sometimes, you know, I don't really think about what I what I say before I say it. I've always been one of those people that just tells you exactly what I feel, how I feel. I don't give a shit about your feelings. And if you want to do something about it, you know, let's get it recorded, live stream it, whatever. I don't care, you know, but I'm trying to get better at that where it's like, you know, maybe better just not be
0: gregarious and just
1: be more of a quiet type and don't put your foot in your mouth.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I you know I hope that the person who I just told that story about it's listening and very lovely client and that was such an interesting session. But I like to hear that, you know, I'm kind of similar. I often I my method of thinking is speaking is how I think. <laughs>
1: so I'm like not Me thinking too. first. Cuz you know you don't have when you don't have to think about it, I feel like if you don't have bad intentions, then you never really have to watch yourself if you don't lie. You never really have to watch. You can literally just live in, in the moment and not have to think about. Is what I say or do going to contradict something else? You know, That's you can so kind true. of just if you're being be honest, consistent you
0: can get away with just stream of consciousness.
1: Yeah. And it's not like you would say something to hurt someone's feelings necessarily. but sometimes people take things a little bit too personally or whatever. And you, you unintended, unintended consequences sometimes occurred by you saying something that you didn't mean. But people take out of context and do what
0: they want to do with it. Okay, so I want to segue us back to talking about the new book a little bit. And we had mentioned playing this preview at the beginning of the show. I think we're at a good point to do that. We're still fairly close to the beginning. So why don't you introduce what you're doing on your Substack that is different from your other work? And I also want to point out, too, that this is actually not a spirit world book. So in terms of that series, it's not necessary to read that series to comprehend what you're putting forward in the, the real universal empire. I'm not saying don't read spirit world. It's awesome. Uh, and you know, reading your work in order would have its benefit, yeah, but, this but is, you don't need to read spirit thing.
1: world. Like this is totally different. You don't need to, you know, like I think, um, you know, when you talk, like you'll see these ideas all the way back in book, Like a lot of this stuff started coming to me when I was doing book four, it was around 2020, but I hadn't done the technical work required, meaning I didn't get deep into the archeology. span I didn't get deep into the language. I had just started to see this overall picture and like, you can see the seeds are getting planted and especially in like God's acre and then uh, with the Holy sailors, whatever, But even during that time, I wasn't ready to make claims and stand in the truth of those claims and know that I'm unassailable, right? So, like, I would still kind of toe the narrative that a lot of this is coming from India, Hindustan, all that stuff. But I didn't really buy it. And because I didn't want to, like, make claims that would be wrong, I just kind of let it alone and I kind of put some stuff in there. And, you know, eventually... Over the last year, when I started Substack, and ironically, one of the most valuable things I always rewatch when I work with you, when I always rewatch the comments, because this all started when I saw somebody ask in a show that we did, is Dylan on Substack. I was like, what the hell is that? I looked into it. And I had a girlfriend that sent that to me it's substack but substack does a horrible job of telling you what it is and what its value is and what you can do with it it's absolutely terrible they're not good like whoever's running substack the platform is the, one of the best platforms ever made but you people are not good at showcasing what that platform can do for you and i'm going to show people what you can do as an author on substack and what you'll see that drops the first chapter of this book is all is free to all my members tomorrow morning it's an audio and visual narration of it, but then underneath it is also the digital text. So much like you're a three-in-one practitioner, this is a three-in-one uh, book. It's, it's, you got the digital text, so it's going to be like the ebook that you can use for reference and search in the archive when you want to revisit it. It'll be the audio, me narrating it, and then it'll all be also visual representations of locations and important things that will correspond to it. So that's what this is, and this is a five-minute sample, um, and I picked, uh, this is all from chapter one, and I picked this section because it really is like asking the question, what do you know about the Atrusian Empire?
0: All right, that's a good setup, man. Very cool. All right, I'm going to play it then, and we'll hang out and, with the chat while we watch.
1: The Atrusian Empire. If you're of European descent, your history is connected to them. The Atrusian languages are indigenous to Italy, and their alphabets are Pelagic, which is Phoenician. The status quo taught us that the Phoenicians came from the Orient, but language, mythology, alphabets, archaeology, and much more indicate that this is not the case. The ancient Italian languages are not Indo-European, and there is no archaeological evidence of mass migration into Italy from the north or east at the end of the second or beginning of the first millennia BC. Urnfield culture spreads from the south to the north in Italy, which indicates it is of Italian origin and the Celtic, Germanic, Gallic, Nordic use of it is a result of them being an ancient diaspora from Italy, not from Scythia, even though the status quo claims Scythians were descended from the Pelagians. The status quo claimed the Etrusio-Phoenicians were from the Orient and that they were remnants of those who fled the Trojan War, with even the Julian stock of the Caesar family being descended from Ulysses, the son of Ennius, the Trojan War hero, who is the demigod son of Venus, a product of her affair with a mortal. Caesar is an exclusively Etrusian name, and Etrusian is not an Indo-European language, meaning it has no affinity with Greek or any other language from the Orient. The Etrusho, Phoenician, and Roman languages have great affinity to the Celtic languages. And for those interested in what Caesar looked like, if his own family's phenotype can be relied upon, he was Celto-Germanic in appearance, or in other words, blonde hair and blue eyes, which is what Celts are named after. Calef, Kalta, or Kelta, meant yellow or saffron colored in Phoenician, according to Ailet Samnes. And while he was ridiculed for connecting the Phoenicians to the Welsh, I'll demonstrate he was right. Calling someone Celtic would be akin to calling him blonde. It's not a race. There are many examples in European families where full-blooded siblings have different features such as dark brown hair with brown eyes contrasted with blonde hair and blue eyes. This is especially common among Italians and Irish. The Tuchelum portrait is the only bust of Gaius Julius Caesar still in existence that was made of him while he was alive unless others should turn up through archeological endeavors. Everything depicting Julius Caesar other than that bust is an imagination of the artist. And how would I know the phenotype of Gaius Julius Caesar? It's my family, and on the cover of this book, you're looking at the patriarch of it who came to America. Domenico de Cesare was born in Sicily during the year 1871. His mother, my third great-grandmother, was a Conti. A bloodline from which four popes were produced. The Conti family was among the black nobles who derived their power from the papacy and shunned publicity. Italians have a history of dividing factions into white and black. The black aristocrats sided with the interests of the church because that's where their power was derived from. I suspect the culture vultures see terms like black and white nobility and confuse them with the American usage of those words regarding skin color, but this is not the case. The man I am descended from was blood-related to the black nobility and had blonde hair and blue eyes. If the Conti family were black in terms of skin color, his Caesar genetics would not have survived the mix. They are clearly not Asiatic or sub-Saharan African. Huni, P-U-N-I, Signifies purple in Etruscan, the same as it does in the Latin poni, P O E N I. And the Etruscans from Vetulonia were the first to trim their robes of Tyrian purple, according to the Roman senator, orator, and poet Silius Italicus. The influx of sub Saharan Africans and Arabs to the Mediterranean doesn't occur till much later, circa the 7th century AD. The megalithic masonry that most researchers call polygonal or that the Greeks called Cyclopean, is Pelagian, another name for the Tyranians. See the region of the Tyrrhenian Sea for reference. The Greeks also called the Etruscans Tersanians or Tersanian pirates, and even allegorized them as Thelossicrats, Lords of the Sea, and Telquines. According to the people in Mexico, those who built their megalithic temples were described in accordance with the Central European phenotype which likely became the Northern European phenotype as the advancement of civilization enabled them to survive in harsh climates. One of the most impressive temple sites in Mexico is Monte Albán, which is essentially the same name as Mount Alba in Italy, where the Caesars are allegedly from, as well as an ancient name for Britain, Albion, which originates from Phoenician words that signify high rocks and white, because that's what they saw from sea when they landed in southwest Britain.
0: It's an epic dude. Really good stuff. Brilliant.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be fun, you know. And if for everybody, uh, just head over to Substack, subscribe. If uh, you know you're unsure about whether it's financially worth it to you, you can. Uh, my Substack is set up so that you get a free month for your like it's it's a a referral program system set up. So the first month you can get a free month by just getting three other people to sign up, free or paid. So the whole point of that is to incentivize my base to help it grow. I would rather nobody have to pay for my work who's in this immediate uh, space of people that supports me, because if you're not paying for my work, it means you're getting referrals that are helping the platform grow, my my platform or my audience, which then will turn to um, turn to paid subscriptions. And usually I have like... 75% of my paid per- subscriptions, people like the content. They don't even bother doing it monthly. They just go buy a year and save 20% because the content's that good. And you can see, you've seen it, you know, it's, it's technical. So like for people who want that technical stuff, the imagery, the archaeology, all this little minutia, that's what the substacks for because I can post pictures and links and all the resources without worrying about the cost of printing. Because like for something like July's book, which is the the one book that I put a lot of images in because I just really wanted a color image book. And for reference, I make like nothing off of it when it sells. And it's still way too expensive for what I would want a book to be, but it costs
0: a lot to print in color, you know, especially when it's yep. images. Yeah, Substack is this huge advantage. Also that, you know, it's your own, the way you used to kind of use Instagram as your archive of, of things you're researching now, Substack really works better for that. And you're not going to lose images that maybe become unavailable in Google image search. One thing that researchers like you and me have probably run into plenty of times is that what you found uh, last year or last month might not be something you can find this like today, if uh, you didn't save it yourself and keep track of what it was, the internet is like shrinking in, in a lot of sense. It's kind of bizarre. But I wanted to make a point that will help everyone, maybe the foundation of what this book is about. I would say it's a couple of things. It's first on the language side that what the Phoenician language and other languages that they call Semitic, that there's no archaeological reason to consider them like a Middle Eastern language group, right? That the oldest inscriptions that you can find are coming from Italy that have this type of language. And then, um, well, I'll just, I'll leave that one out there and let you respond to that. And then the other foundation of the work. Oh, you're muted though. Sorry.
1: Sorry about that. I'm trying to make sure there's no background noise, but um, so someone asked in the comments if I could define indigenous. So when I say indigenous Italians in the Archaeological record of Italy, everything is present from the primitive living all the way up to the empire. The language, despite what all I'm telling you right now, if anybody tells you that they can translate the Atrucio Phoenician, they're lying to you. The only uh, translation that can be done with it is by finding the Latin words and then seeing the Latin words in that language because Latin came from Etruscan didn't come from Greek. So this is why everyone's so hung up and they can't figure this out because everybody in the status quo, they have these ideas of that have been established by mosaic history that Latin's coming from Greek and it's not. And this was already tested a long time ago. And uh, William Betham is the person who gave me the idea for this. When I started looking at it a lot differently, the best Hebraists in the world have tried to test, uh, show Phoenician inscriptions against Hebrew, and they have done it without success. And virtually every instance of it can be tested against the Celtic languages, and it's it's applicable in every instance. Like even something like the Phoenician deity Astarte, right? If you just look at the Irish, and you could just go into like a modern Irish dictionary from like you know a year, hundred years ago, whatever, and you'll see Astar means journey, and Te is person so it's literally signifying the protection of a person on a journey it's in every everything that they're trying to say
0: is oriental it's not and and the the kill shot that you you quote this in your book from archbishop richard trench his book on the study of words hit it read it hit it he says in the 19th century it was icorn who first suggested calling a certain group of languages which stand in a marked contradistinction to the Indo-European or Aryan family by the common name of Semitic, a word which should include all these was wanting, and this one was handy, it has made its fortune, at the same time implying, as Semitic does, that these are all languages spoken by races which are descended from Shem. It is eminently calculated to mislead. Man, And the concept of Semitic languages is less than three centuries old, man. And like just the power of words. That's such a talismanic word. I mean, and so for so many reasons, it's like, what is it? Is it a language group? Is it a, a religion? Is it a, a race? I'm, I'm not sure here, but it you got to tiptoe around it. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why I'm like totally done with this space. And I'm not
1: really trying to appeal to the public anymore. I really only want to cater to the people who support us not the people who tune in for free, because the reality is the grief that I get is not worth it. But it's like not one of you people who will criticize this has more credentials or has achieved a higher position of power in the universal system of priestcraft than an archbishop. And he's telling you right there. And you know what else I learned from him? I learned the whole Christianos thing. That's another subject, but you know what I mean? Like I learn from the most illuminated Highest degree of initiated people in the world that has ever. I'm not sitting here reading these modern occultist books and giving a shit about what they say that they've you know used syncretism and made all these other claims around it. I go back to the source, and that's why my work is damn near infallible. So the goal of this was to establish facts. I could be wrong in my interpretation of those facts, but what's not wrong is the facts that are established, and that's the whole point. And I let the reader know, hey. I'm, I'm the first to admit that my interpretation of the archaeological record could be wrong, but this is all here. This is all here in the language. It's here in the religious symbolism. Why don't the Irish look like Asiatic people? Why don't the Brit? And it's not just the Irish. It's the ancient. It's everybody who's in ancient Britain. You come from this. It's the Basque people. Everyone, because they. Call, you can see them. Cadiz. What is Cadiz? The port of Cadiz in Spain. What is Cadiz? Why did they name it Cadiz? After friendship and cadus in Irish, is friend, friendship. It's all in the, it's all there. It's all been there this whole time. And nobody will figure it out if they're not willing to un, learn the universal system of priestcraft. That's what we teach. That's what spirit world's going to prime you for. That's what chance does all the time. There is a system to this. It's not just, you know, I understand that if you get too deep in the system, it can start taking this like weird schizophrenic term where you're like, you're breaking down the numerolo- numerolo- numerology. Like my series. Loki
0: series. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but as that's as really as fun. It it's really fun, though. But, you know, what's interesting is like that's one of the reasons you can automatically know that Latin doesn't come from Greek or Hebrew is because Greek and Hebrew are almost identical. They're the same. The, it's like the same bird with two heads. Yeah, and, it's, uh, you,
0: and you can tell by the powers of notation, like the numbers that the letters represent.
1: Yeah, hit it. If you want to elaborate on that and why, you know, why that wouldn't be why we
0: you, if you want to elaborate that, go for it. Well, I've, I'm sure what you're about to say is that why would Latin, if descended from those two languages, have dropped that system of numerical notation when it's so useful? It doesn't make sense. It wouldn't. It indicates a different direction in terms of what came out of what. Oh, you're still muted. I accidentally dragged my whole
1: frame on the other. So that button went away. Booty yoga just hit it. So the Vulgate is younger than the Septu- Septuagint. Why do you think the Vulgate has words that ceased to be used prior to the Christian era? Before there's, if you read Spirit World, I list there's a whole bunch of words not even noticed by me, noticed by comment. Serious scholars have been like the Latin Vulgate. Has words in it and that, were already, yeah, that were already archaic. Yeah, they were already
0: archaic by the time the Common Era was established. The so now you have the, the Latin Old Testament, right? A uh, new one, New Testament. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it's so. all old test. It's
1: all coming from a previous system. So it's yeah, technically it's all it's all old old stuff that's been rehashed even before even before these. You know, so it's it's from an older system, and what what you're seeing. Is if you're using archaic words that no person would use back then, because they they don't, they don't use, they don't talk like that, then it means you're either using them to make the text appear older, which I don't know why you would want to do if you're trying to establish that as a historical text, or they are chronologically historical text, or they are really older because you've been rehashing this stuff and you don't realize that people are ever going to be illiterate and be able to pick up on it. Because when a lot of these forgeries and stuff, this industry is occurring. The only people who can catch you on the mistakes would be the priests themselves. It's like they have a monopoly on everything. so They're not worried about anybody like us figuring it out. Then when the printing press comes out,
0: more shit they get goes very down.
1: And <laughs> <Then> it <laughs> gets actually, crazier. I,
0: if I had my copy of Apocalypse handy, I would pull out a quote of uh, one of the, I don't know, bishops of the, I think it's of the Church of England, who basically says that the, like the printing press was just invented and this priest is quoted in his own writing as saying like, this will be the end of our order.
1: <laughs> and so it wasn't even the printing press. Now you have a situation where the freedom of the press comes. And this is why the best scholars that ever have lived and that probably ever will live is the British scholars from this time because there was a window where they happened, to, it's not that they're the special boys, but they had the empire. They had the maritime empire at the time when the printing press and freedom of the press occurred. So not only were they going they all the over the world, the yeah, not only were they going all over the world, but they also had the learning, the acumen, like
0: everything to put all this stuff down. Whereas the
1: previous civilization, the
0: they didn't have the distractions the modern culture would throw at them either. They're just like gentlemen of leisure. Right. But this could have been done by the French empire or the Spanish empire. But they existed too soon.
1: Do you see what I'm saying? It's because yeah. the British was at the prime when all the when all this stuff came together. They happened to be the people who you know God favored as the empire, if you will. You know, so that's why they're the best. Um, and once you once you see the cultural diffusion and you learn all this stuff, like even something as simple as you putting this. So even the word Jew, you're now you've taken an Italian word. Why would you do that? Why would you take an Italian word and refer to yourselves as Jews? That's you primus atar. That's God the first father in Etruscan, right? Now you have this situation where that's becoming P. Atar, right? Truncated. Primus atar, the first father. They truncate it. You can see it on coids in Sardinia. Sardinia, excuse me. It says P. Atar, right? Sardo P. Atar. That becomes pater. And then it becomes in Sanskrit, pitar. You're not going to do that etymological uh, chronology of Pitar in Sanskrit, which also means father. Get the fuck out of here, dude. You're literally, everything they have is a result of Italian expansion. And the reason I've gone so hard at fighting for this is because there's some weird thing going on with Europeans in covering their own history up. It's bizarre. It's like beyond bizarre. And I think it's because they don't want to be associated with what Italy has become. And that's, and that's kind of understandable, you know. But if you look at where, like, the, the Central European phenotype originates, it's all in the pre- prehistoric record right up to the empire. It's all in the archaeological record of Italy. Right down even to Urnfield culture. They can't even claim that came from, like, the Danube region. Can't even claim Urnfield culture because in Italy it comes from the south to the north.
0: You're muted now. Okay, I did it. So you want to look at this severed hand thing that was just put out a couple of days ago uh, from the Basque region of Spain? I thought this would be fun because, you know, you and I were discussing it just in text. But this is, you know, this is the thing that the information you share and teach, like especially in your sub stack, will give people the the lens to understand that as even now new discoveries are still being made in the archeological record. And you'll be able to look at what they're saying about it in the article. And then what is actually there in front of your eyes with the photo of the artifact. And you'll be able to tell like where, (laughs) what's wrong with the narrative about it from the academics. And so that's pretty fun. And also this is just a, a pretty cool artifact. So this just came up in the Basque region of Spain. Uh, they are dating it to, I think around, I think they dated it to about two thousand years ago, maybe hundred BC or one hundred eighty. I can't remember which. I'll scan through the article. But tell me what your first impressions of this this twenty one hundred year old sheet bronze severed hand, if you will, and uh, you know what you what you see in this.
1: Well, so it's definitely modern because you can see they're using things like the H and. Um, you know some letters that look like the cough. You're seeing some of this uh, does look like like some of the proto runic uh, characters that come out of Clusium that gave way to the uh, uh, the alpha the basically the basis of the Scandinavian and German runes. But the first thing that I saw this is it kind of just looks like Etruscan uh, letters upside down, and you know that doesn't mean it is, but that's what it looks like, and. Uh, So the fact that it was linked to the Basque people, if it's a real artifact, um, the Basques are like their original people are from the Etruscans, And it's crazy that nobody ever talks about this. And I've talked to several people who are Basque. They're totally ignorant of it. And everybody talks about the Basque language like, oh, it's nothing like anything else. And it's like, well, why? What's what's the Basque word for father? Anyone? Just pick up a Basque dictionary, Aita, A-I-T-A. Again, I just told you about the Uprimus Aitar, right? comes from Phoenician, or maybe Phoenician comes from Etruscan. I don't know. I think where I'm at is Phoenician is an Etruscan word. That's the root. I think the Phoenicians are the navigators of the Aturians. But that being said, um, Aita, you'll see, you've shown this on your show. It's in Etruscan tombs next to Shuri, meaning father, right? priest, meaning God, creator, uh, all that stuff. So it's like calling him Father Shuri, Father Keres, Father Kronos, Father Time, Father, you know, he's got the uh, Lycaean Apollo head, but that wolf uh, on his head, the wolf is sacred to Mars and Apollo because wolves are most active in wintertime. And they're most active at the boundaries of light and day, of uh, life and death, summer and winter, et cetera. They're They're representative of those boundaries. In fact, um, wolves, they spend ninety percent of their time patrolling the boundaries of their territory. And so that's so if you're wanting to hunt wolves, that's where you gotta find. You gotta find them on the outskirts of their territory, the boundaries. And so that's where these gods of boundaries, like Terminus, right, all related to Mercury, all of them, Hermes, Sylvanus, Selvans and Atrucian, you know, and you can see like the earliest like Caduceus symbolism and all that. It's all going to be like, in a, it's all found in Italy. Everything that people want to describe as ancient symbolism, it's found in Italy before your first, your culture's first inscription. Right, like the oldest Basque inscription is from like the first century BC. You can pull up images, I'm sure, of Shirdi, uh or Aita on an Etruscan tomb that's like 200 to 400 BC. I mean, it's it's all present. So it's like, well, if nobody knows who you are, why are you using Etruscan words and what now looks like Etruscan letters? In a system that looks like filigree, which is this granulation way of like making jewelry that the Truchins excelled at beyond anybody else. A lot of their techniques are still a mystery to this day. And the reason you would do this is because it prevents you from losing the quality of the metals. So if you were to just carve into metal, you're going to lose a certain percentage of it when you carve. What they would do is they would build it up with these filigree techniques.
0: So even just looking at that being the handshape, the first spiritual symbol that might come to someone's mind would be the the hamsa. And even that shows up in the earliest forms in (laughs) Etrurian artifacts. I think you had a post about that recently, that 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 symbolism, exactly as it shows up in the Etruscan world, is even over in North America, right? Later on, not as old.
1: Um, oh, damn. Do you have access to my sub stack? You, you can pull so while we're talking, if yeah, you want to pull up that recent, I think it's my most recent article, it's like uh with Carthage, you're gonna be able to put po- uh click a link on that to the Louvre. I'm gonna show you something that we can right here either debunk as archaeological forgery or at the very if it's real cultural diffusion at least the two centuries before Columbus in America with the Italians. My, my opinion is that Columbus, so Columbus is uh, from Genoa, right? Genoa is ancient Liguria. Genoa, for people who don't know, was the Commonwealth of Italy for a while. And they basically just took over the Phoenician trade. And so I think, I don't think America was quote unquote discovered. I think they had secretly been there for a long time for mining, mm-hmm. just like they had been with Britain. And you'll see this in Carthage. Carthage knew about Britain, but they they made it illegal. Like the penalty for Moving there or divulging it was um, death because what they were worried about is a massive percentage of their population fleeing. Well, don't go through the whole thing, but if you can um, okay, if, on, on air, but if you can scroll down till you see the point where, where it's the, the palm of the hand with the eyeball in it, that's from Carthage. This is the earlier version of it. People now will call it the Hamsa symbol, but the Hamsa, all that stuff is much later. The Indian version, the Mes- Semitic version, whatever, that's all way earlier. This is the the rudimentary one. And if you pull it up, you'll see that. And then you can pull up something called the rattlesnake disc. Is the, is this it? But that's the Indian version of it. So, okay. so you'll see it on a, a Carthaginian stelae, uh, stele steli, I should say, Um if you can't, don't worry about it. I, I wasn't prepared. You know, oh, I like found that. it. So you can click the link. Uh, no, it's not that. It's clo- it's just keeps scrolling down. You'll see. It's it's a okay. it's a very dis- look for the rattlesnake disc because the whole point of this is showing you the the why are the Tuscaloosa Tuscaloosa Indians in Mississippi using Phoenician symbolism? Now they they fucked up by they say oh it dates to thirteen hundred. That's long after this empire existed. So. Right away, I'm calling archaeological fraud. However, uh, that's not it. You'll see it. Okay. It's got an eyeball. It's not. It's not. It's not vague by any means. There it is in the middle. So see that link? Okay, cool. Click that source. No, in the description there's the source. You can click that. That'll take you to the Louvre's website, and you can zoom in on that. See that at the top. So you can see it's not just a palm. It's got the palm with the hand all the way at the top at the point of the pyramid. See what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, there it is. Right here.
1: Blow that up as far as you can because it's still small on YouTube, or it's still small at least what I'm looking at.
0: For some reason, this is as big as it's going to let me. Okay.
1: Well, you can share that link if you want so people can see it. But now if you just type into a search engine, rattlesnake disk, you'll see that they're using the palm with the eye symbolism. And why there it is right there. Why would they be doing that? And this is North America. Yeah. So this is either fraud or somebody gave them this symbol and this artifact actually dates to 1300 AD. So even if it's not fraud, it's still a groundbreaking thing because it means somebody was here giving them this symbolism 200 years before Columbus. And it's (laughs) not the Hamsa. So if you just look up Hamsa, H-A-M-S-A. You'll see it's a totally different version. It's almost like got two thumbs, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like a totally modern silly ass like it's they've they've made it correspond to like Abrahamic symbolism somehow, but that that is a big deal, no matter how you look at that. It's either proof of forgery or proof that somebody was here two hundred years before Columbus.
0: Well, I think that's the most interesting thing to consider the like different parts of the world were being accessed by this civilization way earlier than what our mainstream narrative would allow for. And there's such good reason for that. Like with Britain to protect the tin trade and hold power, you had to be exclusive with it. You know, you, you keep your resource. It's a secret. You don't let everyone know where your strengths are. And do you know why Italy is a dying country right now? It's like the oldest country in Europe because a quarter of its population
1: came to America that's why they, they they had these laws in, re, in place for a reason because that's exactly what happened all the people who are fed up with the bullshit in europe said fuck this we're going to america where we can actually go and breathe a little bit
0: you know so that's why you would keep the the new world secret for longer yes. as long as you could
1: yeah and then you look at the italians in america they come over here and within a couple decades they're putting presidents in office right they know this system of civilization, like,
0: it's not always pretty, but they know it. So I know we can't really necessarily, uh, <laughs> you know, determine motives, but there, PK was asking some questions in the chat. He's always a good thinker, and he says, why the deliberate obfuscation by the priests to cover up, you know, their, the priest class covering up their own history in Rome that... That civilization that they are so, the first special. I can boys. already stop you.
1: You're already presuming that it's Romans covering up their own history. Okay. No, that that the question is fallacious. It's it's on a that's not anything that I've had to say. And I think if you were exposed to my work, you wouldn't ask that question.
0: Well, so, let me maybe rephrase it
1: to the. I'm not claiming that the Romans Romans are covering up their own history. I'm claiming what you know of ancient Italy is a result of what
0: modern people have done and they've done it and I'm not even blaming the greeks because Okay so you're saying that it wasn't like the ancients didn't do this cover up it had it happened later when history was being written of that time period by much closer to modern people
1: Yeah basically when you look at some of the most prominent cities in the history of the world right archeria and not one greek or roman writer or chronicler mentions any of these locations beyond just basic geography accounts. There's something going on, and that something is the church. And that's why that's where when you get into the motive stuff, what I call the feast of nonsense. You know, I got, I got that word from my boys over at uh, Ballbusters and Flat Earth Debate. But the whole the the thing is, is you can appeal to motive. And it is important. The reason we want to know what motive is, because we want to know why everybody's doing things so we can determine the proper course of punishing their ass. Right. But this has happened so long ago that at this point, I don't need to prove why anybody did it. I can just prove that it's it's their line. I don't need to find out their motive. But what I'm saying is not that the Romans are Italians are hiding their own history. I'm saying something else has occurred circa the Middle Ages somewhere, it looks like. And there's a massive disconnect. In fact, even the majority of like the Latin we think we know, it's all modern Latin, right? Like how many people use the word Polaris? You think that's a Latin word? No, it's not. It's Middle Ages. Latin. This shit, a lot of this stuff doesn't get invented until like way later, like way later. There's a lot of words we use in Latin that aren't from the original ancient Latin. And that's why there's such a disconnect between these cultures. Something really bad happened with the reckoning of
0: the new millennia, with the common era, if
1: you will, whether the, the
0: ano domine. Do you think we even have maybe a different year than like, do you think the actual chronology could be maladjusted? Like the, <laughs> it hasn't been as far back since certain events as we think, like, you know, is zero BC really 2024 years ago or that's
1: this is this is something i'm happy to concede that i don't know i
0: think it's i think it's worth looking
1: into i don't know i'm not content with a lot of the stuff that people have put out there um i think that's it's more speculative than anything else so i try not to latch on to that stuff um i don't even know that the the chronology of any of the dating is right i don't even know if the artifacts are properly dated because they um The way they date things is not as accurate as you think. They bully you into believing they're accurate. Carbon dating, all that stuff, it's not fucking accurate. They've literally measured rock that was created 30 years ago and they've dated that, not measured, they've dated that as like millions of years old. It's 30 years old, motherfucker. You know, like these people, they have no fucking scruples. That's what you got to realize. You're dealing with a culture now that has zero. Uh, zero code of honor other than let's promote something that forwards our agenda. It's agenda driven, it's not truth driven, it's not service to your fellow man driven, it's not service to God. It's nothing. It is a vacant, nasty, whatever has happened, it's nasty. And if you want to debunk it, there are certain amounts of things you have to get to a level of knowing so that you can stand in truth and ask certain questions, right? Like, Some of this stuff you will get reamed for if you get into the arena and you don't know what you're talking about. People will crucify you, you know, proverbially, proverbially, not that they ever did that in your life. What I'm saying is when someone gets into me with this religious system and they start attacking me and citing me, I just say spell Christianos in Greek and tell me what the problem is. You know how many people out of like times where I've gone viral and gotten hundreds of thousands of views? How many people have ever solved that problem? None. Because you can't do it because you don't know anything about language. Because if you did know it, you'd highlight the problem and say, Yeah, that's a real fucking problem here. Damn. And you would at least have the humility, like Archbishop Richard Trench, like Robert Taylor, like all these Christian men who were the best Christians, in my opinion, who just said, you know, there's a lot of stuff that uh something's not adding up, something is in you know, it doesn't have to impact your worldview as a Christian, but you do have to recognize that everything you know about Christianity is coming from the priesthood who without exception, all of your earlier fathers come from the Egyptian mystery schools. They were adepts. That's a real problem. And what's Alexandria? It's going to be Greek. So that's hence the Greek influence. And what else is going on there? Besides all like the perverted stuff, they are just doing every hijacking of common sense that anybody can do and they're rewriting everything and they're attacking everybody else who knows what this is from and calling them heathens and calling them pagans and doing all this other stuff when they are the very ones who are the perverting all of the symbolism.
0: Which is pretty much the the par for the course. You know, we see whatever this whatever the spirit is behind the the deception of civilization, it always works that way that they accuse the other people of what it is that they do. That's a major pattern. So the being able to wrap your head around the timeline of it all, it appears that basically there was a pre-existing empire. And then mm, this cult center of Alexandria had a lot to do with the hijacking of the previously established system. There were already the entire uh, network of, of like churches and tithing and the uh, Episcopal system of (laughs) bishops and and all of that, that hierarchy was already established. And then that got taken over. That's what it appears like happened. And, um, you know, the why for a cover up in in terms of like later on in the world is probably that the, (laughs) I don't know. I think that in the middle ages that there was a lot of documents that were just forged. You know, I don't trust I don't trust much of what I see anymore any coming from like even the what they call the classical era, you know, the Greek tragedies and the the Platonism and Aristotle and all that stuff. Like for all we know that those uh, documents could have been created by monks that I think they were.
1: I don't think Plato is uh What is what is he dated? I think I'm always getting him in Herodotus and all these people confused. I don't think he's as old as you. I think he's what he's dated like sixth or seventh century. I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't think he's that old. I think there's examples in his work that look like, like even the word for the Holy sailors, di Palagi, right? That it's, it's copying like a Latin format, right? Because D, D I I, right. Which is B what D I -I O, uh, Delta Iota, Omicron Iota, that O I termination is like the Latin. It's a plural thing, right? That's, the plural of gods, Deus. So there's there's all this weird shit that they're doing in Greek. And that's another thing is they try to tie all this stuff like, oh, the Pelagians are descended from Peleg. But if you look at how Pele, Peleg is spelled, it's just uh, Pe-Lamed-Gimel, uh, right? So it looks like PLG. But you got to remember in those old days, the Pe and Fe are the same letter. The only reason you have the differences now is a result of the modern system with the dots, right? So if you look at how the Greeks write Peleg, it's actually phalek. Phi, alpha, lambda, epsilon, kappa. Phalek. Not Peleg. When they write Pelagios, they use pi. That's a P. They don't write an F. So the idea that uh, even in Biblical Greek, phalek is definitely phalek. That's what the Hebrew is corresponding to. It's not corresponding to the P sound. So they just try to insert themselves in everywhere. It's sloppy and ignorant etymology. And this space is replete with it, by the way. Like, that's why I don't associate with many people. in here, is because there's nobody that's actually doing accurate research. There's people who are calling themselves research and they just watch YouTube videos and read books from last century. It's not accurate, right? They don't go actually into the whole old records and archaeology and learn how to read this shit. And then actually, I mean, if you, I spend I go and spend money. Archaeology books are expensive, right? I'd drop fifty dollars a book, right? A lot of this stuff you're not going to find online. It's not well published, and a lot of it is in private collections, right? There's over fifteen thousand tombs open in certain places, and you're not going to find these artifacts anywhere because they get sold on the black market and they end up in places that the people aren't going to come forward and share that with them because then they're going to have to concede that they might have to give them back to Italy or something because they own it and it's from the black market and it was illegally excavated. There's a word for it, tumbarolos, right? Illegal ex- excavators. And so sometimes they only find these tombs because a tumbarolo gets busted selling shit on the black market, and he gives up a location or two for for leniency in his punishment. I think I mean, that's what Indiana Jones is all about. We're in the very early stages of this, dude, because they're still excavating shit from Rome. There's so much under there because these cities have been built upon and destroyed and built upon and destroyed so many times there's a lot under there, so we're we're only at the beginning. It's only going to get more intricate and more complex and more expansive as technology improves, and uh, you know as uh, archaeology uh, gets better as a result of that. Those techniques.
0: Well, <laughs> you go go back and watch the Indiana Jones movies with you know uh, mature perspective, <laughs> wise perspective, and you realize, oh my god, that guy. It fictionally is pretty much the epitome of what you're talking about with this shady archaeology. He's like a, a, the most immoral movie hero ever. He's like, you know, banging an underage girl and uh, uh, killing people left and right. Why did he consent to that? Like, I mean, Harrison Ford seems like a stand up guy. What
1: the fuck you you letting them? Be? Can't you just be like, dude? the fuck is the matter with you rewrite this you sick you sick fucking pervert man this is see this is the shit where you know sometimes this old system would come in handy because these people wouldn't be rolling around doing
0: this perverted shit <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's aggravating to say the least i don't know if he's innocent though he's uh Got such a big. I feel like you got to get some dirt on you to be. That I know, but sport. he does
1: seem. You know, I hate that, but Harrison Ford does seem
0: like a down to earth stand up guy. I hate. I
1: hate to think he's doing. They he lived shit, on too. a
0: ranch in Wyoming f- since 1980, so he was not in Hollywood. You got to give him that credit.
1: There's a lot of guys like that, like Russell Crowe, like they just seem like stand up guys. I just it would break my heart if they turns out they're like into that shit. I don't think they are. I think some people. I think a lot of people are quiet about stuff because it's like. It's like the mob, right? You get inducted. It's like you agree that you're going to put this system before you, before your family, before everybody. So it's like once you're in, that's it. You've committed to that. You're going to have a very successful, wealthy lifestyle, but you can't ever talk about this shit. You know, you can't expose anything. Where I come in handy is I don't don't take oaths to anybody uh, other than God. And that's it. I don't care about nothing. nothing else matters. Because I'm a glory guy, I like, I like doing things for the glory of doing them. and one of the advantages I have, in case people haven't noticed, is that I'm from the Caesar family, and that family is fucking Celtic Germanic. They don't they have blue, European they have blonde hair, blue eye features. they don't have this dark shit that everyone's saying, oh, you, Rome is uh, it's actually Arabic and you know it's like, dude, you guys didn't even come to this part of the world." You weren't civilized enough to come to this part of the world till the 7th century A.D. Get out of here. And and there's no evidence of migration en masse to Italy around any of these times. So there's no migration. Going back to that original person's question, what do you mean by indigenous? They came from nowhere else. Now, can I tell you where the origins of humanity is coming? No. Does it mean they were in Italy 10,000 years ago? No. But as far as we can see in any record of anything that matters, they've always been in Italy.
0: Right. That's as far back as we are able to go with our current records and archaeology. Maybe 10,000
1: mean- years ago, they were in America. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. Because yeah. you've got another problem to deal with, which is Cucuclan in Mexico, which is Quetzalcoatl, the Plumed serpent. And then you got Waji and Jet in Egypt, also the Plumed serpent. It's very particular. And the fact that you're dressing that guy up like a Carthusian monk from Ireland, uh, and they have Klein. somebody's committing forgery, or there's way more interconnectedness to the ancient world than these numpties want to give credit for. I don't know what it is, but we're going to get, somebody is going to get to the bottom of this. Someone with the resources to do it. I don't have the resources to do it. I'm not at the locations. But my goal is to get this work out to as many serious people. I'm not trying to attract Conspiracy theorists. I'm trying to attract more well-rounded, learned people who are willing to lift the weights and do the work, right? And what it, you can say everything you want about vibrant, like oh, vibrant, so schizo show. No, it's not. You're you just admitted, you just admitted that you can now read Hebrew doing that work.
0: Yeah, that a lot came from the Loki <laughs> show. This that's where I finally, that's where I found a way that I could uh, practice my Hebrew that made it interesting and held my attention and that I could like touch base with daily, but it really comes down to, you know, you say this before about other alphabets, just check in, spend five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day, remind yourself what the letters are, find a way to do that. And yeah, that series has tipped me over the point where now I can recognize the Hebrew letters when I see them, you know, there's still, it depends on the font and a Dalet and a Resh are the same damn shape. <laughs> oh, you, it's <laughs> crazy. How letter.
1: many transcriptions era errors happen because of that. I can't even read the difference between some of them. So like literally depending on the font of the printing press that they decided to use, it can make the letters look like letters that you're used to seeing that, you know, it's, it's really, it's real easy to see how, if you were a copyist, you could make those errors. And if everybody's so hung up on those one, that one letter, no, it actually means this because it and you don't even realize that it's a transcription error. So there's there's a whole lot to account for. And I wanted to touch on something that I didn't touch upon earlier when I was talking about the Irish, but it's all of ancient Britons. The reason I say the Irish are most connected to them is because they are the most connected to the Phoenician language, the most connected to the Etruscan language. Um, everybody else might be there might be older people like the Cornish uh, the Welsh, the Armoric in northwestern France, they may be the same age or older, the Basque, whatever, but through interacting with other cultures and what's called uh, transposition, the letters and words have changed so that they don't necessarily correspond to the ancient ones that they came from anymore. The Irish does. And so whether that is a result of they're able to isolate themselves or what, I don't know, but... If you examine the Welsh, you examine the uh, Armoric, if you examine the Cornish, they appear to be coming from, like, it looks like a trickle down.
0: Hmm. So, yeah. And, and, you know, back to the question of the, the who and the why on the gatekeeping. It seems like we've already been able to answer that question for at least a generalization that it's about Mosaic history. Because Mosaic history is what all, you know, back to the word Semites and being descendants of Shem, that pretty much the the nobility of Europe predicated their whole rule on their descendancy from biblical fictional characters, right? And now, in terms of gatekeepers, you can always ask yourself who you're not allowed to criticize publicly, and you're probably looking at gatekeepers there, and uh, Mosaic history is rather important to certain groups that you're not— able to criticize at this point and that doesn't mean that necessarily that they initiated the cover-up you know the tiny hats are not necessarily the origin of it but it's about who's currently using the system for power well they learned it from the christians because the christians erected
1: forged monuments in spain for hundreds of years use this and say that nero made this you know highlighting his deeds of eradicating Christians only to find out that you guys have been bearing false witness for three centuries saying people were tortured and killed because they were, and it was not real. But you see the power that derives the victimhood, the way you can spin victimhood to your vantage is like one of the most powerful instruments in the sorcery deck, quite (laughs) frankly. And so all of this play, it's always the move. Yeah. And so when you look at this, when you hear these, oh, they, they sacrifice babies to bail. Where's your evidence of that? Oh, well, we've got some ashes. So that baby must have been sacrificed, right? It couldn't have just died at birth. It couldn't have been something else that happened, you know. Couldn't have been any of that. They had, you know, it's like they are so fucking crazy. You don't see that in human nature. Humans do not look at their offspring like that. I'm sorry, but they don't. You will never show me a person who just, like, you know, they do it pre-birth, right? Because they don't have to actually develop that bond. But once it's out and you have that bond, it's a life-changing experience from every person I know that's had it. You're not going to just, you know, sacrifice that for a, a, a... a good crop yield that year or whatever. Oh, well, we need to sacrifice these babies because the Greeks are getting pretty strong and we need to repel the Greeks. So better go kill 500 children. I mean, it's just re- When you look at it, it's so retarded what people are fed. And I don't even blame the people who are lying. I blame everybody who's buying this shit and eating it up and then spreading it around and talking about it like it's true. That's the real problem here. It's the, it's the fact that people are so eager to open their mouth about shit they haven't done the work on. And that's why we're in this hot mess. And you saw it with the last three years. We don't need to talk about it. But everybody becomes a freaking scientist or doctor now, right? Knows all this stuff. Don't trust it. You, you need to trust the science, you know? You don't know what the first step of the scientific method is, Beatrice. Shut your ass up and sit down. You know what I mean? So I just can't even interact with it anymore. I just want to do my own thing. And if there's any serious scholars at this that want to get together, I'm happy to have anybody who's even crit- critical of my work. If you're a professional and you want to come in as a critical writer and share a post and elaborate, I can add you as a guest writer. We could do it, but it it ain't going to happen if you're like a conspirators. I call them conspirators at this point. I'm done with that crowd. It's, it's, it's it's proven a fruitless endeavor. It's like a, it's like a downward spiral trying to cater to them. And 10 years ago, you thought these people were the ones that you wanted to cater to because they do good things with the knowledge. And they don't, they've done bad things with the knowledge. And I think that's why the priests and all this stuff kept it secret to begin with. I I can't even blame them at this point.
0: Yeah. I don't like to associate too closely with conspiracy culture anymore either. Not because necessarily that, that the things that are are shared in that, I don't know, genre are wrong or always wrong, but it's just a lot of parroting and very few authentic researchers. So for me, it's like uh, I have a filter now where for the most part, I can't say I'm perfect about it or it's 100 percent of the time. But I kind of just like other than maybe a physiognomy check on somebody new that I might collaborate with. (laughs) I uh, (laughs) That's real, though. Come on, dude. You know, that's real. It's it's totally real. I mean, it goes it goes into the other thing, which is if uh, if I would be really upset that I had to trade lives with somebody, then I don't really want to know. I don't really want to, like, swap information with them in a, a public collaboration either.
1: I just want to see, like, if you're going to talk about someone from Hollywood, whose house in Hollywood have you been to? Who do you know intimately? The, the answer is always no one. Like, it's none of this shit is ever coming from people who have done anything relevant. It's just, like, haters who are, like, coping for not being able to make it or whatever. I don't know. There's something weird going on. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not some dark shit going on there because we all know there is but don't get specific about things if you haven't been there that's my point
0: yeah and ultimately like we're we're past the point where it's just like a fun whoa you're blowing my mind man with like who can share the darkest <laughs> darkest information like yeah there there are mm, you know there is the thing that they call satanic cults there's the thing about there are families that have these things that they do in behind closed doors and a lot of it is connected to th- this older old system. Yeah. I'm sure that that's all a thing, but like, what does it do for us other than, then freak out our, our loved ones when we talk about it, you know, and that makes you look crazy, let your life be the example and then people will come to you and ask questions. But ultimately, yeah, I'm more interested in in solutions or in things that, Give me a wider lens through which I can understand the, the world. And that's why language and symbolism is my like my favorite area of study. Maybe there's not as many direct practical solutions in that, but there are solutions for the the way that you can feel connected to logos or the way that you can feel you're getting a message from something else. You know, the the Holy Ghost, <laughs> the divine... The divine can speak through you a lot more easily when you understand a wider array of language. And I think that I mean that actually is a, a component of priest systems in in the positive that reading between the lines, the wordplay, the puns, the unintentional meanings that are within embedded within things. That's I think that that's the way that our that uh you know the creative intelligence behind all reality. Has its best opportunity to speak to us is through our own creations, and the the things that come through them that we didn't ever intend to be there, or the things we can find in other people's creations that, that seems impossible that they could have ever intentionally put there, but yet there it is. Like that's why I have so much fun with the Loki series. The number of connections I can find and synchronicities that I can pull out of that. It's like it's not. A, <laughs> there's no way human or humans like collectively decided. Let's. Weave all of these symbols together in this perfect, chunky, interco- interconnected set of correlations. The best I could come up with for a physical explanation would be like, I don't know, a, an AI script writer that <laughs> like. I'll tell you what it is that. they're
1: using symbolism that has been used for so long that has so much laid up in it that even if they don't know what it is. They could be totally illiterate, but if they use that symbol to someone like you, it's going to mean all these different things because you've done all these research, all this research of other cultures and, you know, languages and stuff and what it means there. That's how you're able to do it. So it's really just them hijacking the symbols and they use it like a a tradition. It's just a traditional thing. It's like it's like maybe like someone who's in a religion, they use religious symbols. They don't know what the holidays mean or what they signify in astronomy. They just think it's, you know, Lady Day. They don't know what it corresponds to and, have, you know, all this stuff. So uh, that's all it is. And the more you know, the more you can utilize it consciously. So if you create content, then you can use this to your advantage to make epic, infinitely good replay value content. Because if you use this system and you know what you're doing and you use it with intention, someone like you gets it, will be able to watch it and Something else out of it every time, and to what you were saying, the more work you do, it sometimes does feel like you're being tapped or called upon, and it more gets revealed to you as you agree to go down that path. It's like you have a guide saying, Okay, here you go, here you go, and it's like that's that's largely how what it's felt like for my uh, it, uh for my process, and it all happened for me when my grandmother, uh, before she died, she gave me that all the papers and stuff so remember I told you about that I experience when I had that like prophecy type event where I saw a moment that I knew when that moment in time was going to occur I had to ask this question when I asked this question I got this response and then after that my grandmother gave me everything right she had six children she had all this stuff and she chose to give me all the paperwork to our to our family um and she chose to give me Husband's wedding ring, my grandfather's wedding ring, like everything. She could have given it to anybody, but she chose me. She she tapped me, and then all this stuff started happening when I started seeing it. And then one thing leads to another, and you see, like, the way I know I'm ancient, uh, attrition and in the Caesars are attrition and not Greek is admitted by Suetonius. I saw he wrote I the parse nomine trucia lingua deus <laughs> vocator, meaning I which forms. The remaining part of the name Caesar is in the Etruscan language, the denomination of God. Well, that's significant because you've told us that my family is from Greece. They fled the Trojan War and set up at Alba Longa. And here you can see in the historical record, everybody knows that that's Etruscan. And Etruscan is not Indo-European, not Semitic, has no affinity to any of that shit from the Orient. In fact, Etruscan is older the letters, like you said, are older than the hieroglyphics because the hieroglyphics can be translated. And you can be translated because you're using a Greek system because they're Greek. You can translate Coptic, Ethiopic, all that stuff because it's all Greek based. It's why it shares 500 root words with Hebrew, it's all modern
0: compared to the ancient system we're dealing with. So wanted to ask you one more question that I feel like you give good insight on you kind of allude to it in, I believe in the first chapter of the book, but you know, what is this writing process and this journey you've been on to get to the point to be able to write this book? How has it informed you about the, like the cycle of, of obstacles and challenges in life and the, hmm, you know, like how, how, how have you been able to demonstrate in your own life that if you just address the thing that's right under your nose, like we talked about, how does that unlock doors for you versus feeling stuck in life if you are avoiding the, the glaringly obvious thing that you need to change? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if I have great insight on that because I don't think I've figured all this stuff out.
1: I think uh, in terms of that, I don't actually think I'm very competent. Um, I'm sure I have all kinds of stuff that I don't know how to process and deal with. And the only way I've ever been able to push through everything is despite how fucked up things can get. And when, you know, things outside of your control or apparently feel like they're outside of your control, change your life dramatically. The only thing I've ever done to push through it so I don't like get depressed or anything is just keep focusing on creating, keep fos- focusing on producing. You know, like my whole work world can be falling apart and have all kinds of challenges, but I'm still getting up and doing this work. It's kind of like the discipline to just not get distracted. But in terms of like giving people advice on like how to rise above all this stuff and like have a good life. I can't do that because I don't think I've had a good life. I wouldn't wish the life I've had on my worst enemy because it's one of not accomplishing what you intended to do, but accomplishing something maybe even greater by just pushing through it and working and doing other stuff, that like this whole other path opened up. Like that's what example-
0: everyone needs to hear, man. Because I think everyone's gonna have parts of their life they feel that way about.
1: Oh yeah, dude. Like when COVID happened, I was in a situation where like my life plan for the next five years was to like I was in a situation where I'd be making about like one thirty a year, nothing crazy. But when you're single and you have uh, no debt or uh, financial obligations. The goal was to put as much as that away and work for like five years, whatever, start buying some real estate, you know, like a maybe like a multifamily unit, live in one of them, rent the rest out, let that take care of the mortgage and just so call, you know, so on and so forth, build up your profile. And then the Wuhan wiggle happens and everything gets shut down outside your control. And then, you know, that's like one of the things you came in is like, you remember when you first started contacting me, um, you, uh, I, I didn't want to do podcasts. Like, I don't want to be known. For this shit, I don't want to be a public figure. Really, I only am willing to be a public figure if the price I have to pay to lose my anonymity is to be able to make awesome Renaissance-inducing entertainment content, storytelling, production stuff, all of that. Like, I get the same feeling editing that thing that I just showed you guys that's coming out tomorrow morning. All that stuff, I get the same feeling as that as I would filming a movie and then editing and producing. Like, it's all it's all coming from the same source. It's just how you transfer that into some sort of thing that is uh, producing beauty and uh, thought and um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess productive thought, because some things are incredibly talented, but they produce weird feelings and thoughts that just aren't inspiring. And I think Hollywood and stuff, everybody got so bored with uh, so bored with happy endings so bored with like things working out for the better that now it's like every story is like, let's just see how bad we can shock people and fuck the whole story up and not give any resolution. And we're so cool. And we're going to can and we're just going to be like awesome film stars. And, like, it's just, this is disgusting. Like nobody is really actually interested in raising people up anymore. We've gotten to this weird, like we had it so good that now we're like, we need to feel pain. It's almost like rich kids who've never had to do anything because they've always had their parents' money and they get depressed because they're not actually out there conquering and accomplishing things. So going back to the advice, I don't really have good advice on how to live. I, I definitely have not lived in the moment as much as I want to because a lot of my life has been trying to figure out how to get to the next level under my own terms so I don't have to work for other people. And I, I haven't really succeeded up to that point. But in that process, I've still been able to create along the way. And so for people like you who are responsible because then when you've given me opportunities, things pop in certain areas and then I get enough resources to take care of myself for a little bit. And then I, you know, I've been able to publish what four or five books, five books since, uh, since I basically lost everything in 2020, five books. How many people do you know have published five books in like, just you three years? Like, yeah, just no. no, but I will concede. Like I did, like I said, remember you're saying like, you didn't believe, but a lot of the work had already been done. I just had to organize it. You know what I mean? But that's still. But this this book is a lot of new work. Yeah, this is, So the work is everything. Everybody who's been at my Substack since March of last year has seen the process. That's when I started posting. I've published now almost 140 articles related to these things. So for those who want that technical analysis, go get on the Substack and you can, you can see it. But. The goal for this was just to make something that's really easily digestible for casual readers, kids, people who are never going to actually go through the spirit world type content, you know, but still know that something's off of history. And this book will help establish some facts that even if they don't agree with my premise, they can at least see that, well, yeah, I don't agree with him, but he's right about this. This is not even his idea. This is in the archaeological record and I can see it for myself, right? You don't need Dylan Sikosho. To say, hey, the Etruscan word, ita, is in the Basque language. And the Basque is pretending that the, ba- the Skyers are pretending they don't, know where, you know, they don't know where they're from or any of that shit. And it's like, well, you're using Etruscan language. You don't need to default to me. That's why my work is so devastating is because I empower the readers to become their own authorities. That's why people aren't going to like me because you don't need me once you go through my work. You don't need to ask me
0: questions about anything. It's all there. You're <laughs> your own boss now. I can't. can't. I attest to that people that may, you know, what people out there there may be that have followed my channel since I got into spirit world will notice that I'm way more proficient at unraveling things. But I think everybody enjoyed your, your advice or perspective. Maybe there wasn't so much advice, just your perspective, but even if you felt like you didn't have anything really to answer that question with, we it's the advice of a struggling artist. <laughs> The vibe is just push through and stay, keep things on your own terms, and and uh, it'll it'll work out, as they would that's say in New England. Theory, everything's gonna be fine. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you always say that, and that's a good one. It's like the the New England vibe is like: here's the gun, There's the barn, go in there, hang out for three hours. If you make, come out alive, you're gonna be fine. So I kind of <laughs> that's kind of like my you know I'm not great for advice because I haven't done I, it. I am great at showing, helping people show what I did to, to learn this or what I did to do this. Like, this is what I used in the gym. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. I'm good at helping you save time and and, and not make the same mistakes that I made, but I'm not good at
0: like, this is the golden that's what path. A teacher to success. Should, that's really what a teacher should be about. I love that. And I want yeah. to give some thanks out to, uh, Asajin, Asasian, Rachel, sparks and uh sarah wagner thank you for those super chats we're gonna wrap this up for the night dylan but it's been fun hanging out (laughs) we really we really like to see your work continue and uh
1: i really appreciate you having me on and reaching out to me this morning like honestly i was feeling so terrible this morning i was in so much pain with my knee that my initial response was like i can't man i'm gonna be so grumpy and like writhing in pain and as the day went on And I took some some ibuprofen and, you know, it kind of went away a little bit, but (laughs) (laughs) it still hurts, but like it was manageable. So I'm really glad we got together because, you know, you know, I always say this tomorrow's not promised, you know, so there's no guarantee I'm even going to wake up tomorrow. So if that is the case, who cares? We had this conversation. We got to hang out today and I got to publish this work today. So now I feel like this huge burden off my chest. That's like, I did it. I did it. It's there. You know, whatever happens to me, I have a legacy. And that's more important than just the physical me.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm glad we got to do this too, man. Uh, I didn't know today was the day the book was coming out.
1: Otherwise, I, didn't, I, really- I didn't
0: either. I just finished. It, it just, everything kind of wrapped
1: up last, the night before last night. I was like, oh shit, it's, it's ready. It's like, okay, well, do I want to wait for like a more appropriate time or? do I just fucking publish it now? And I said, well,
0: not really saving it for anybody, fuck it. There you go. Publish. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And I, I enjoy, I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm going to probably just keep cracking at it after we're off the stream. So yep. Inspiring message. That's what Brayden says. Brayden, you're an inspiring messenger yourself. So congrats again on the book. Much love, man. And thanks everyone for being here. Check out, the real universal empire, even if it's your first introduction to Dylan's books, you will enjoy it. It's really good stuff. Yeah, there's and no
1: prerequisites. And uh, for everybody, I didn't really get to look at the chat, uh, so I'll go rewatch it. But whoever uh, whoever said anything nice and complimented me on the book, whatever, I just want you to know I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And uh, please support Chance. And I guarantee you we will be doing... Uh, private shows for just his Patreon people and Substack people and just my, just for the people who actually pay their, your hard-earned cheddar. We know how difficult it is. You know, you got a lot of things to spend your hard-earned bread on. So for those who really support him and me, we'll be doing shows just for you. That's what that's all. When I do prepared shows, I'm only doing shows like that from now on. This stuff is fun because it's just an excuse to hang out with my buddy, but like the the real detailed stuff we'll be
0: getting into some of that this year so stay tuned that's right stay tuned and uh everybody out there be good take care catch you on the next one all right guido love you i'll see you i'll talk
1: to you later in the week